In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Live Podcast. Hope everybody's having a beautiful day. It's Monday. We're back in the we're back in the belly of the beast. It's a beautiful day. I got my friend Magic Brad over here. We're gonna get into ten beautiful things that happen in altered states of consciousness. Brad, how you doing today, my friend? I am well. I've got ten. That's right. You, you've got almost 10 on your ears behind you. If you were to lean yeah, back, you could little, see that. My little Rocky, this flying squirrel, and, you know, remember Mr. <laughs> what is it, Moose? I oh. do. Bullwinkle. Hey, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Do you remember, I think it was Boris and Natasha were the, yeah. were the uh, that's right. That's oh, right. Yes. And they often played with Tom Slick, which was a great one, but. Anyways, what well, it kind of puts me in a different state of consciousness to go back and remember some of these things that happened in my childhood. But you know, I thought today, Brad, we could talk about ten profound things that happen in altered states of consciousness, and I think it bridges the gap between psychedelics and magic. And I thought we'd start off with number one here, Brad. Is that maybe we go to number ten? We'll do it in reverse order. Number ten. Okay. Ex- what do you think about that? Is that all right with you? Can we handle that? Because then you're, it's like that drum roll. We're kind of up to number one is. That's right. Wanting. Okay. Number 10 is expanded perception. Altered states of consciousness can lead to heightened perceptions, allowing individuals to experience the world in novel and profound ways, often transcending ordinary boundaries of time and space. So this is the point where you tell me, about expanded perception, something that's happened to you in an altered state of consciousness. Um, to me, as soon as you said that, I thought about that aha moment mm-hmm. because we get in our spaces uh, and we start thinking about things and all we've got to go off of is the past, the, our past experiences. And that's how we're going to make things happen. The things we learned in school or the things we learned when we grew up. And sometimes like being a self-employed business owner, I end up talking to myself about things and I don't give good advice because I'm giving my same advice that I had that I used before. It's like, God, I can't get this eight track tape to fit into this Mac mini. (laughs) (laughs) It's fascinating. Think outside the box. Yeah. You know, I do that sometimes, but in a different way. Sometimes I find myself giving really good advice to other people, but then I don't take my own advice. And so I found myself when I found being stressed out, like, what would I tell my daughter to do? And then I think about what I would tell my daughter to do if she was in the situation I'm in. And I try to follow that advice. Well, yeah. And sometimes uh, you might think that someone needs something and you don't know them real well. So you give them the advice like if I if you were me, this is what I would do. Right. But I'm not you. I'm a different. My wife does that a lot to me and says, you got (laughs) to. You got to do this. You know, she insists the phone calls. You got to do the phone calls. 
I don't like doing phone calls. So I, if you want me pissed off and miserable, okay, here we go. <laughs> I heard a good quote one time that said, when you find yourself in trouble, try to think about someone who's a lot smarter than you and what they would do and then do that. <laughs> I think that's not such bad advice. You know, what would Jesus do and all that kind of stuff, the WWJD and... Yeah, but yeah. Just to, like, I've... I've got a friend of mine gave me these things. They're called question cards and it's okay. like affirmations. Instead of saying I am healthy, it says, why am I healthy? Mm. And that gets your brain to think rather than your monkey mind going, you say you're healthy, but you got this big beer belly. How can you say I am right? You look at it and go, why am I healthy? Well, yesterday I felt worse and now I feel better. So that's why I am healthy. Yeah, it's interesting. The way in which you phrase a question changes the outcome. I've, I've learned that how questions, if you find yourself in a conversation with someone and you ask them, how can I do that? Like, Let's say you're in a heated debate and someone's like, you should do this or you should do that. If you just pause there and instead of firing back with, a, with an ad hominem attack or firing back with something that could be barbed in a way, if you just ask them something along the lines of, how would, I, how would you do that? That changes the flow of the conversation and it forces that person to begin thinking instead of attacking. Like, well, I would do it like this. Oh, well, then maybe you would come up on that aspect. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. Also, you can go the Simon Sinek route and say, why would mm. I do this? Because maybe you know how, but it's not a good idea. Mm. You wonder why, am I, why in the hell am I doing this business stuff? It's not very fun. I think I should just go surfing and record it on a, on a camera. Yeah. Maybe I can make money that way. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a very good point. Well, that's, so that's the number 10, the expanded okay. this thing. I think sometimes like if you do, like I've never done any hallucinogenic kind of things. I've never done that experience personally. Right. Other than uh, in grade school, I did some blotter acid and it right. was a, a bad trip because of the regulations in the room. If it was more of a guided thing, I probably would have felt more comfortable. But my mind did expand, if you will, into here comes the principal. I got paranoid. <laughs> well, I never got, I didn't get paranoid yesterday. Why am I par paranoid now? So my consciousness did expand through that hallucinogenic blotter acid, if that's, is blotter that acid hallucinogenic? I think so. And I think it does. I think that's expanded perception. I think let's, I think that that does change the way you perceive the world when you shift the senses you're using. You know, you went from being in a certain state that was prepared to be conditioned to learn in order to, whoa, maybe I should watch out for the authority coming over here. So that'll move yeah. us into the number two. The number two is spiritual. Nine. Number nine. Thank you very much. I almost said two. Number nine is spiritual insights. Many people report profound spiritual experiences during altered states of consciousness. What do you think? Um, my thinking on that is I think we're physical beings. So we've got this duality in our head of the up, down, and the, the, the digital versus the analog. Mm -hmm. And you got to get into that third entity, which some people would call like the Trinity, that goes beyond the physical, sort of metaphysical. And and so sometimes that's what I think happens is you end up getting into that other space of like, like meditation. You're not supposed to be thinking about things. You're supposed to like focus on your breath. And then what happens is some weird information comes in from somewhere and then you've got to deal with it somehow. Did that kind of answer the question for number nine? Yeah. So I would add to the idea of spiritual insights. Number nine being that we're so spirit that comes in because we're physical beings have a uh, spiritual beings having a physical experience so the spirit gets to come in instead of us thinking i need to get some to sleep because it's nine o'clock and i gotta wake up at six yeah yeah I, I i agree i think that that is along the lines of some of the spiritual insights you get i, I think that you see this connectedness like you no longer are a machine that is trying to produce goods so that you can provide. Now, all of a sudden you see this bigger understanding and idea of like, well, I'm connected to everything. Here's this beautiful relationship. I mean, I'm part of the planet. So 
that would be some of the spiritual, I think a very, a very beginning idea of the spiritual nature, which begins to overcome you in the, in the, in the aura of expanded consciousness right there. Well, that's all the, so the similar, I mean, the, I, I, I've looked at some of the stuff like Joe Rogan doing ayahuasca mm -hmm. and stuff like right. that. And you do get into a whole nother world that you never even thought you, know, you, you can't imagine. Yeah. And those kind of things happen when you get uh, like when there's a, th a third entity comes in or like two heads go together and you come up with a third idea. When a man and a woman get together, they create this third entity. That, that Where did that come from? Where did that, that energy come from when the sperm fertilized the egg? It came from spirit, in my opinion. Yeah, the idea of spirit is it's a beautiful idea. And it, it seems to be something that's always with us, but we never pay attention to. Or maybe we yeah. don't always pay attention to because you can be, be it in deep meditation or be it in a heightened state of awareness, be it through psychedelics or in theogens. You are reminded that you are something greater than the walk from the hospital to the graveyard. You know, and I think that there's something spiritual in that. I think we've forgotten that. And there's a lot of conditioning that goes out to try to make sure that you don't see that. You know, if you just listen to the language that we use on a day-to-day -day basis, we're constantly using the inorganic to describe the organic. We have this incredible mechanistic idea of what the world is. We see everything through the Descartesian machine. We're all a machine. We're all like a clock. And, you know, when we start using this kind of language, we really shut off that avenue or that door to spirit. So I think that heightened states of awareness open that door back up and allow the organism to revel in the organic beauty that it is very well put <laughs> well thank you i totally get that yeah we'll move on to number seven here number seven is creativity and artistic expression altered states can unlock a surge of creativity inspiring artists musicians magicians and writers to produce extraordinary works that may not have been possible in their ordinary waking state. What say you about creativity and artistic expression, potentially maybe even in the, some of the, the magic that you do? Well, definitely, because you do have to think outside of the box and you right. have to think outside of your own thinking and you have to um, almost think of what that spectator is going to be thinking about the, the, the motions and things you're going through. You need to kind of get inside of their head. What? How do they see what's going on here? Because you might be doing something as far as doing the magic stuff for the sleight of hand magic. You might be doing some things that are like a tell. You know, you might have a stiffness in the shoulder or something. And uh -huh. the, the person watching sees that and goes, okay, there's something weird going on in that sleeve over there. So if you are aware of that, you're, you're kind of getting in the head of the uh, the spectator. And then the other thing for when artists, we were at an art fair this last weekend, and you know, see all these different styles of art. Some people are doing this stuff on metal, and some people do stuff on wood, and some stuff is painted, and some stuff is like a natural. And I saw this one, and I thought right away, they are using altered states of consciousness to come <laughs> up with their ideas. I could tell that that that's what their art was. It was, it was not of this world. <laughs> But what was it that made you think they are in altered states of conscious when they create that? Like, was it the image that was translated to you? Like, how did you know that? Yeah, because it didn't, you know, there would be an image of like a human. I don't know who that artist is, but you can, when you can see the head and you can see all the blood veins and the nerves mm. going it's through. gray. Yeah, the matrix. Right. So it was that kind of thing where it doesn't just, doesn't look like a puppy dog. It looks like a puppy dog that's hooked up to, you know, electronics and neurons wow. and cells and cosmic soup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would add that the, the create the artistic expression, which creativity seems to be the lifeblood of is 
it does produce these images that make you think it does produce images that make you see the world differently. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think that the altered states of perceptions allow you to do that. If you can go into a different state of awareness and imagine something, then you can bring that back and share it with other people. And if it resonates with them, you know, you're really connecting them with on a level. And I think that's something that you can really only do by being in these altered states. So I, I would say well, there's so another number. artist that my wife and I saw, he did stuff with frogs and it had like picture of a frog sitting at a little piano and he thought, okay, that's Photoshop. Yeah. It wasn't. He had a video of him with the actual frog he'd set on there. He used like Q-tips and stuff to move the frog onto the keyboard with his little hands and stuff. But maybe he was in a different state of consciousness to think about that idea. You think, Okay, how are you going to get a frog to sit on a piano bench? Freud did a lot of coke. He was he did a lot of coke, man. <laughs> he was all so that that too is a different state of consciousness. I recently read an article in which they talked about how amphetamines and especially cocaine has an incredible way of uh, neuroplasticity in the mind. So yeah, I mean any sort of substance you take puts you in a different mode. You could even do like, you know, you've done breath work, you have done meditating, you have done some of the blotter, like any sort of substance or any sort of different technique that takes you out of, takes the blinders off for a minute is basically an altered state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely the breath work, uh, the way the guy, this, this guy did this, you're basically hyperventilating, but you get to a place where you kind of, kind of pass out. Yeah. You're in a different space. And then when you when you come out of it, you're all tingly and stuff. It feels really, really strange. And you, you have these uh, epiphanies, if you will. Of course. These aha moments. Yeah, well, you're, you're interrupting the blood flow to the brain. You're changing the flow to the heart. You're changing the flow of the blood to the extremities. Like your body is going to react in a way that is different than a normal every waking hour. So, yeah, anything you can do to shake things up. You know, if you go to a, an ashram, if you go see a guru, he's he's going to do things to pull you out of your state of consciousness. I heard a good quote that once said, anybody who goes to a psychiatrist ought to have their head examined. Or anybody who goes to a guru ought to be beaten with a stick six times. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you're asking to happen. Like, you're asking for those things to happen. So it's it's interesting to think about. So moving on to number six, healing and therapeutic benefits. Certain altered states, such as those induced by meditation, psychedelics, or breath work, have shown potential therapeutic benefits for mental health conditions. What do you think? Well, I just had a, we had a little broken wand ceremony for a fellow magician that passed away. That's what magicians Ooh. do. They uh, kind of get together and tell stories about uh, this okay. people and he had cancer and he got diagnosed with it. So I think that that's one of the, the dangerous parts about going to the doctor is because they see something and, okay, we're going to check and you got some pallets here or what do they call those pallops? Yeah. Yep. All of a sudden you've got those and now where's your mind going? I got cancer. What yeah. am I doing? I'm going to die. Oh, I can't believe I did this. And then people start saying, I've been diagnosed. So now it's got an authority figure that says, right. this is what it is. Yeah. But hasn't there been someone that's been diagnosed and then they survived? A lot of people. Yeah. Because they might kind of said, you know what? That's your opinion. Thanks for checking it out. I'll start eating better. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to start thinking better. So I yeah. think that will help a lot with um, getting outside of ourself into, uh, you know, if, if you're in your physical being like that and you got something that's that's not healed, you got to start taking that in. Um, like my wife has been clearing her throat and her her brother had some smoking things. He's still smoking. I don't know why he's doing that, but she's, she's been clearing her throat. We got this Canadian uh, smoke that's coming into Minnesota now, you yeah, know? Right. So we started thinking about that, but where does your brain go? It goes into... Okay, there's this smoke and it's gonna, you know, get my throat. And what am I gonna do? I can't go outside because it's dangerous and all this. It's just freaking smoke. Yeah. It'll go away. <laughs> yeah. But if your brain starts thinking about all that stuff, 
it um, starts manifesting. It starts coagulating and it starts creating the problem that you think you have. Yeah, I'll take it a step further and I'll, I'll walk us right down that that primrose path of fear. You know, it seems to me that fear is the state that people want you to be in so that you're pliable, be it not necessarily doctors or anything like that, but it does seem to me that those who find themselves in states of fear are easily pliable. If you look at any sort of advertising, what happens? It's usually a scare tactic. It's usually a play on sympathy. If you look at any sort of, you know, um, be it an advertisement for a, if you're going to buy something for your kid or you're going to buy a product, fear seems to be the number one driver that makes us do things. And it, you can see it coming from the, look at the, turn on the news. You don't even need to watch an advertisement. Just look at the news and see what gets clicks. Hey, there's going to be a nuclear war. Hey man, this thing happened over here. Hey, there's these weird people over here. Hey, it's like, it's all fear, whether it's the smoke coming in from Canada or whether it's some odd people at a library or whether it is, you know, somebody that's claiming they have a nuclear device or a terrorist or a border crossing or a new movie coming out. Oh my God. You know, it's fear. Well, it's a, that's a marketing thing too. It's where yes. the timeshare timeshare salespeople come in and, you know, they get you to be in this nice tropical environment and get yeah. you to feel all warm and fuzzy right. and then you start going, God, I bet you don't want to go back home. Huh? No. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it beautiful nice here? Here for, so they use that kind of stuff. It's basically sure. putting salt in the wound and making it more painful and right. then show them the solution and go, why don't you get it? Yeah. That's yeah, some, unfortunate. It is. It is. It's sometimes we, we gravitate towards the lowest common denominator. But then there's people like us who are bringing people to a higher elevation so they don't have to deal with that. Or maybe we... Maybe this show can be the antidote to the fear as we bring a little positivity, a little creativity. And now we're right back to number six, the healing and therapeutic benefits. So what do you think? Well, I thought we just did. Is it? We, we did. I was just testing you. Now we're going to move on to number five. <laughs> <laughs> number five, altered perception of self. These states may challenge one's sense of self and identity, leading to introspective insights and self-discovery. Altered perceptions of self. Number five. Um, that just came up uh, not too long ago where someone wanted to have my title. Okay. What does I that don't mean? know what my title is. I have a hard time putting a label on what I do or who mm. I am. So it's it's tough for me to say, well, I am a magician. Oh, well, that's what you do. You're a magician. Now, now I'm yeah. stuck in this little box of being a magician. And if I wanted to twist a balloon animal, I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think oh. it's good to be like, to have that altered state of consciousness outside of that personal self identity. Yeah. I'll tell a quick story on the, on the, on the topic of altered, perception of self uh not a, a while back years ago i uh i was at work i was on my way to work and i my phone started ringing really heavy just you know five six seven times in a row and i'm like whoa what is going on here but i didn't answer it because it was an it was an odd number and uh shortly after that number had called me multiple times my wife called me and it's like george the uh the fbi came to the door and i was like what are you talking about and she goes, yeah, they came here looking for you. Is there something you want to tell me? And I'm like, I got nothing, love. I, I don't think, you know. And so as I'm having that conversation with my wife, the phone rings again, and it's the FBI agent. He's like, I want to, Mr. Monty, I need to see you. I'm like, holy cow. So long story longer, I meet with this guy, and they, they had thought that I was like a, a suspect in this international crime ring. And I was like, it was a really interesting situation. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it was fascinating. But the, the altered perception was after, after everything blew over, I sat back and I thought about it for a minute. Like, wow, these people thought I was a master criminal. And I just sat with that for a little bit. And I go, what if I was? What if I, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Right. <laughs> What if I tricked them? What if I what if I just completely BS them and I got through this whole thing and I really was the guy they're looking for? You know, and it, it was a weird like, but I just I just rolled with it in my mind and for a while I believed it. You know, and I was or like, just maybe they're not you're not the guy they're looking for, but you have the capability of being so. Absolutely, 
Yeah, and that that's the altered perception. And the thing is, for anybody listening to this, you could be and slip into any personality you want if you have the imagination. Like, why can't other people believe things about you that you may think are ridiculous? Just pretend that you can for a minute and you can slip into this altered perception of self. And it's really powerful. Well, people do anyways. You know, I'm trying yeah. to get them to think one thing about me. I go to a business networking event. I'd like to get them to be in my next trade show. Yeah. And they're looking at me going like, he's wearing jeans and there's a rip in the knee. He probably isn't. Uh... <laughs> they come up with their own. Absolutely. Predetermined whatever. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has a story when they see you. People should remember this. When when you walk in someplace, people are automatically creating a story about who you are, what you have, and what you can do for them. And right. you you essentially are doing the same thing. So so just think about that when you walk in somewhere. Maybe maybe a good way to begin altering yourself is to change the story you tell, not only about yourself, but about other people. Try to make up a really cool story about someone, and people will probably begin to see you in a different light. You know, I was going to do that. Um, when I lived in Asheville, North Carolina for a couple of years, mm -hmm. there was a, a forest that it was, um, it wasn't Sherwood, but there was Sherwood estates, but there okay. was this forest. It was like near the Biltmore. And I was thinking, I'm going to reinvent myself. And my name is, my middle name is Arthur. Okay. Oh, perfect. I was going to be King Arthur, King Arthur Bradley of Sherwood forest. And I was going to re redo a, a whole story of how I grew up in this, this area. And my mother and father were not alcoholics. My mother and father were king and queen of this castle. Yeah. I was going to redo my whole self. I never did, but I still might. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you, you started walking down that road a little bit. I mean, just the fact that you kind of have some framework laid out right there. I did. I had it all in my head, but then, then the work comes in. We actually have to sit down yeah. with a piece of paper and pen and write it out and make yeah. up stories and all that kind of stuff. Then you got to take it to an editor and they got to tear it apart until you did it wrong and, <laughs> and you redo it. And then they say, kind of did it right. and Take it to a publisher and they say no. Yeah. So I said, I'm not going to write it. It's in my head. It's good enough. I'm over with it. I could tell it to George Monty someday. Yeah. And he'll never let me forget it. He'll keep bothering me until I do it, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move. Let's keep moving down the line here. Number four is timelessness. In altered states, individuals might experience time in a nonlinear fashion, leading to a deeper understanding of the present moment and the impermanence of reality. Well, time's definitely a construct that we came yeah. up with in our own head. There is a cycle, you know, the... The earth is rotating, so the sun appears to rise and fall, mm -hmm. and the moon phases and all that stuff, and zipping around the sun. There's that. But who says that it's uh, 12, 25 p.m. in Minneapolis, Minnesota? Or 7.25 in Hawaii. Dun, dun, dun. See, there you go. There's the It's different for you than it is for me, and we're here in the same time. How can we have two times at the same time? Well, the problem is we're back to using a mechanistic metaphor. We're back using the idea of the inorganic to explain the organic. We are not a clock. We are not a machine. We're human beings. And when we try to use a, an inorganic idea to explain an organic organism, all kinds of things fail. Time is one of those things. Time is something, a full construct that we made up. It's nice because we can look at a clock. We can see the sun go up and down. We can see the stars move across the sky and we can look at it as if it's a clock. Hey, it's like clockwork out here, but no, it's far from clockwork. It is a very metaphor. It's the very metaphor we use to explain what's happening, but explaining the planet or explaining a human like a machine does an injustice to everything that's associated with spirituality, imagination, beauty, love. So I think that that's a big part of the problem is the language we're using. So I think the language we're using is what allows timelessness to be experienced in heightened states of awareness. Well, I told you about that situation I had when I was in Bali, Indonesia, um, and I was sitting across a table from this woman and all of a sudden we just disappeared and went into the cosmos and we were like just orbs floating around. And when I came back, I didn't know if that was five minutes or five hours. Yeah. It was, uh, there, there was no time. There was no space. We didn't, I didn't really have a physical body that I could really comprehend. And I don't know how long we were gone. <laughs> yeah. 
try being in a stressful moment and see how long that lasts. There's, you know, what about a New York minute? How long is a New York minute? There's all kinds of these little things that we hear about. That's right. Why do they have a different time? Yeah. I did hear though, if you get caught between the moon and New York city, the best that you can do is fall in love. <laughs> I heard that somewhere. I think it was my friend, Arthur, not King Arthur, but a different Arthur. <laughs> okay. What do we move? We're, we are moving right along to, we're coming up on the top three, Brad. Number three is unity and oneness. Some individuals describe a profound sense of unity and interconnectedness with all living beings, fostering empathy and compassion. Um, I've definitely had that situation. I remember when I was a child, I had a feeling of all knowingness. It ah. didn't last long. I talked myself out of it, but I did have that, that sense of connected to everybody. And if you think about it in the beginning, whatever source was, however it came, whether it be a black hole or a, implosion or a big bang or a intelligent being in the cosmos it had to come from somewhere so everything is connected somehow you know yeah you know i once heard that the the feeling of connectedness that we all long for comes from the attachment from the umbilical cord to our mother and if you think about that for a minute when we're born when all of us are born regardless of your gender regardless of where you were born at one point in time, you were attached to be an umbilical cord to your mother. And right. it seems to me that if we just look at, we look at that as a metaphor, you know, the same way we as humans are attached to our mother via an umbilical cord, so too are we still attached to the planet via, via the, uh, uh, the, 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 the sustenance of life. I don't really have that one worked out yet, but I think that there is some connection between us and the planet the same way we were connected to our mother in the womb. What do you think? I think there's also a connection to each, each individual. And I bring that up because I'm sure you've been at a stop sign and you glance over and you see yeah. the person looking at you and you think, I think everybody has an inherent need or desire to connect with each other. They don't yeah. know why. That's why they don't just say, hey, you don't know who I am, but uh, you want to have coffee? They think you're a creep. But yeah. I think that inherently people want to connect with each other and come back home. <laughs> yeah. Do you think maybe what we're seeing in each other is ourselves? Like people that you see are like, wow, I see, I see myself there, you know, and right. it's, it's, there, there's a really uh, well-known sculptor, an artist named Jeff Koons. And he's famous for this art, art piece called the balloon dog. And one of the beautiful things or, or one of the, one of the biggest things about his artwork is that it's like a, it's, it's a giant balloon dog and it's all chrome. Sometimes it's like a red chrome or a blue chrome, but you can see yourself in the image. And a lot of people say that the beauty of that particular artwork is that the person not only sees the structure that's built, but when they look at the artwork, they see themselves in it. And that is sort of mesmerizing. And I'm wondering if the same thing may be true when we look at other human beings. We see ourselves in that person. That's what draws us to them. What do you think? Well, they say that like the eyes are the uh, what the connection to the soul kind of thing. Yes, the like windows to the soul. A lot of that when you, I mean, I don't know. Have you ever had that situation where you just two people sit down, and you just look in each other's eyes? Yeah. At first, it gets kind of creepy, and then it gets very peaceful. Yeah. And you, you can, you're almost talking to each other without saying anything. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about. That's another point of if of uh, this particular aspect of heightened states of awareness is that your pupil, when your pupils are dilated, more light's coming in. So I think when you have really dilated pupils, you're taking in more information the same way if you shoot an image in camera raw, you may not see all the footage you're getting with the camera. So too with your, so too with your eyes, like you're getting in more information. So you're processing it. You may not be aware of it, but there's something to be said about pupil dilation and information and light. Well, there, there's that. And then there's something that's outside of the, uh, the sight and that's the sensory of maybe there's somebody behind you and you can't see them, but you have a feeling that there's somebody behind you for some reason. Yeah. You can feel people. You ever get that feeling like someone's staring at you? Like you said, like, Hey, there's someone you, you could feel it. You know, it's a you, visceral you've feeling. You've done the um, hallucinogenic situations. Haven't you? Of course. I have not, but have, do you, do you have that feeling that there's someone watching you, maybe either paranoia or comfort? I've never had the feeling like some 
it's not the same feeling as someone staring at you or watching you. Like I don't get that vibe from it, but I do feel as if I'm talking or speaking or connecting with someone the same way I would with a, a, a very intense prayer. You know, when you, if, if you pray to God or a loved one, or you talk to yourself like I do sometimes, you feel as if you're actually speaking to someone. And I think there's a difference. I mean, when I had that um, experience of going through the cosmos with that woman, right? Um, I don't remember talking. It was more thinking. Yeah. We were just uh, sharing the same brain, if you will. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of evidence to support the idea that we, the amount of communication that happens when you're together with somebody, you know, language is only a small fragment of that. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about the world of communication and oneness and, and, and communicating. So, well, yeah. We've done that stuff. I mean, this, uh, I guess it could be a natural hallucinogenic uh, sweat lodge being in that spiritual situation. I remember yeah. I did a magic show once at a powwow way up northern Minnesota. Okay. It was just a very spiritual feeling experience while the, all these people are in this same room and doing this drumming and stuff. And I, I can't explain it, but you, you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's something that goes beyond words that I think that there, there's clearly something there. And that only comes from a feeling like if you ever, the closest I think we can get to communicating effectively is through poetry. I think when you read a poem, or you share a poem between two people and you can see someone's face get flush and you can see their the goosebumps on their skin. Like you're really beginning to understand that your words are having a real visceral effect on that other person. You know, it's the music. Music, that's another way, a way to score like that. The spoken word seems to be much more of a greater tool than the written word when it comes to expressing ideas in the moment. And magic at times. Yeah, without a doubt. It, it, there's a magic illusion. It's called interlude. Okay. Where the woman or the, the assistant or whoever gets inside this big box and your arms are all stretched out and you got your, you're holding on to these things and mm -hmm. all of a sudden the person goes behind you and bursts through your back, throughout your stomach. And David Copperfield did that. And it was a, instead of a woman being inside the box, it was David Copperfield inside the box. And the woman then went behind and burst through his and busted out the chest. It was very erotic with the music and everything. Right. The visual thing happening of a female going through a male body. Mm. You know, all of a sudden you, you see his stomach and all of a sudden you see this boom. His hand pops out right through his stomach. And then she crawls right through, right out of his stomach. And then she jumps out and then he it's done. And it's very erotic. I don't know why I brought that up, but <laughs> well, it makes sense. I, I think that when we begin playing with emotions in different states of consciousness, eroticism is a huge one. There's all kinds of different sex magic that's happened throughout the years, and it's definitely something that pulls people into them. You know, just look, you know, if you look at any advertising, there's a pretty girl right there, or there is something that looks like a rocket, you know what I mean? Or there's something there to remind you of like, hey, we're sexual beings. Little subliminals, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that that is the the art of the erotic is something that is always playing, at least in the background of almost every image, if you if you pay close enough attention. So I guess that that what were we on number three or are we on number two? I don't know what was three. OK, let's do this. Number three, mystical experiences. Altered states can evoke mystical encounters, leading to a sense of awe and wonder about the mysteries of existence. Um, definitely it gets you thinking because I'm of the belief that there, there are miraculous things that happen, but right. being on the planet, there are physical constraints that you can't get beyond unless you're like, you know, you can get beyond that and Jesus can walk on water kind of thing. I haven't seen that kind of thing happen myself. And now I lost my train of thought, see if I can get back on it, but. <laughs> that's where the, the magic can make you think that. I remember seeing a, a soda can slide across the counter. And that expands the possibility 
that would be a neat trick if I could figure out how to duplicate that. Right. Because I figured out what it was scientifically, how that, why that did that. Was it a magnet? Huh? Was it a magnet? No, there, there was no gimmicks. It was just sitting there. That's what made it amazing to a magician. Ah. It was just a Mountain Dew can sitting on the counter. But what happened as it gets warmer, that little concave bottom, yeah, the air in that expands. And the moisture oh. from the can had created a seal around there. So it expanded. And the table, of course, was maybe at a little bit of an angle. So this thing just slid across the corner. There were no magnets or strings or anything like that. It was all scientific. But in my head, it's like, whoa. And then now that gives me that new thought of how could I maybe replicate that? Another thing happened where a friend of mine, we were walking down Venice Beach, just talking to each other. And then all of a sudden I looked back and he was gone. And I was looking at the drummers and the belly dancers yeah. and incense. And all of a sudden I looked back and where'd he go? He disappeared and he was, you know, 30 feet away from any building or anything, but he, the timing was just perfect where he walked into a t-shirt shop to look at a shirt. He didn't intentionally ditch me. He just walked right. in there as we were walking and I happened to have my head turned. When I turned back, he was gone. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> so yeah. there's an idea of how you could make a person disappear if you just get the timing right and get the misdirection right. You can make a human disappear on Venice Beach. You know, on, on a similar note, one time I was sitting in my car and I was waiting for my wife to, she was shopping or doing something. I was just sitting there. We're parked on this hill. And I remember there was like a, I was looking at like this old, old, old kind of like ranch house with like a, it was an old beaten down house. Right. And I was just staring at it and I go, I wonder if I could make that house collapse. If I just, if I just had mental powers, I can make that house collapse. And I'm staring at it, staring at it, and it like it collapsed. I was like, holy cow. Shortly <laughs> after, there was a bulldozer that came over. Like there was a bulldozer on the back of it. But for a moment, <laughs> I was like, I made that house collapse. You know, and it was like, oh, it was a bulldozer. But for that moment, like I did it in my mind. And, right. then, and then I, I've never forgot about that because I'm like, maybe I did do it. Maybe I created that bulldozer. You know, maybe, maybe I had to have something happen behind it. So I wasn't too blown away, but it's those little synchronicities in life that like, maybe I am doing, maybe this is my dream. Yeah. Maybe I'm making it happen. Well, you had the intention of making it fall over. You didn't say how. Yeah. That's a great point. It's a great point. <laughs> I'll send you manifested a bulldozer. Yeah. Well, just, to make it real. just align things. And then the guy that ran the bulldozer said, Oh, time to get back to work. Got to finish my coffee break. He jumped yeah. in here and started so he was in tune. He just heard what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah. So I, I think that that is, you know, it's, it is a, an altered mystical experience to understand. And I think it underscores the idea that maybe you are the creator in some way. So I think altered states of consciousness. Can well, when be. my dad died years ago and I was in like ninth grade, um, my family told a story of my brother. He was up a motorbike ride and dirt bike riding up North. And, uh, they said that he had a, a sense that he had to go back home. Mm -hmm. And I just asked him just the other day, I said, is that a true story? He goes, yeah, it was. And he told me the story. He says, so well, there's something up there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But he was way up north in the middle of the woods. And all of a sudden he had this feeling that he had to go back, get back home. Yeah, it's there. there's something there. I remember um, hearing a similar story when I was a kid about one of my friends went to the Grand Canyon, lived in California. They went to the Grand Canyon and they, they took their dog with them and they went for like two weeks. And then on the way back, about halfway back to California, they realized that they left their dog there, but they, oh, so wow. they did, yeah, they didn't go back to get it, but they went home and uh, they were real sad. And then a week later they heard some scratching at the door and it was their neighbor's cat. The cat <laughs> it was the neighbor's cat. The dog died, I think, in the Grand Canyon somewhere, but the neighbor's cat was there. <laughs> That's such a twisted sense of humor. I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't help it. Okay, number two, expanded consciousness. These states can reveal the limitations of our usual perception, providing glimpses into broader realms of consciousness beyond our everyday awareness. That's like a 180, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. 
Yeah, I guess uh, you could be in that space that uh, all of a sudden you have this this um, altered state and go, I never thought that was possible. I was thinking I was going to stay here. And you get this. I don't even know how to explain it. So we're, we're having one right now. I don't really know how to explain it, but you're kind of seeing it from the other side looking in. I don't know how to explain that one, man. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I think they call that meta. Like when you're looking beyond. At, yeah, looking beyond or looking into the same way that you can see the world in a grain of sand. So too can you see what's going to happen in your life by listening to our conversation. You know, it's it's interesting to think about it from that aspect. And the, I, I always think of it as like a fr our fractal nature. You know, if you here's an interesting thing people can do. If you look at the coastline, like if you if you blow up a map of, say, Hawaii and you look at the coastline, it mirrors the, the mountain range. And it makes sense because that's where all the runoff comes down. And so the coastline right. is going to mirror the mountain range. So if that's true, if the coastline mirrors the mountain range, what other aspects of our life? mirror a greater force. And I think that that is the, you know, that helps me at least catch a glimpse into the broader realms of, of what's really happening out there. Well, that makes total sense as above, so below kind of thing, the microcosm, the macrocosm. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Well, we finally made it here, Brad. We, can you give me a drum roll so I can give us number one? I do have a drum roll. One second. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nice. The number one, number one is potential for personal growth. Altered states of consciousness can be transformative experiences, catalyzing personal growth and fostering a deeper understanding of oneself and the nature of reality. Um, as soon as you said the word potential, that came into Deepak Chopra and his uh, book, the seven laws of spiritual spiritual laws of success and one of them was pure potentiality that uh, there is unlimited potential there's you know things are possible there maybe not be probable but there is the potential of of unlimited stuff happening so if you can get beyond that can't word like we're gonna go to hawaii well we can't we don't have the money well we can find the money we can't because we don't have tickets. Let's go get tickets. But they're going to cost money. Well, let's go borrow it from that guy we don't even know. <laughs> you never know. The potential is out there if you can just not limit yourself by that four-letter word can't. Yeah, can't is the cancer of can. And I I cannot agree more that the the potential for personal growth from altered states of consciousness is can be a transformative experience. Sometimes that altered state of consciousness could be depression. Sometimes that altered state of consciousness could be a manic episode. Sometimes that altered state of consciousness can just be a quiet moment of contemplation. But the real growth is done when you get away from the limiting beliefs. And way too often an everyday Get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work, come home, get up, go to work, come home. Too much of that leads to a life that is not fulfilling. So I would challenge everybody today to take a moment, find a way to get into an altered state of conscious, whether it's a moment of meditation, whether it's at your lunch break and doing a breathing exercise, whether it's listening to this video right now and just taking a moment to shut it off, think some positive thoughts and understand that you can do you can begin anything, whatever the wildest dream that you have, you can begin it. You may not accomplish it today, but you can begin it today. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Give it a Fan shot. Swing the bat. Who knows? That's right. That's where the magic happens, right? So, but Brad, this has been an awesome episode. I love digging into these 10 ideas that happen to us and, and really digging down to it. Before I let you go, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? And what are you excited about? Three questions all at the same time. Boom, boom, boom. Well, you can find me by just Googling the keyword magic Brad and then whatever topic you're thinking about. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so two keywords, magic Brad, and then whatever you're thinking about, you'll find me. Um, pretty much because I kind of got that brand on the internet. And then what was the second one? Uh, the second one was, what do you have coming up? 
I've got my expo September 20th okay. that I've got to do here in Minneapolis. And that's pretty much, that's where my, most of my focused energy is right now. It's a little business collaborative so, social trade show thing I, I do. Fantastic. And what was the third one? What are you excited about? I'm excited about that event. And I'm actually excited about doing another one of these because for some reason, you and I kind of resonate and we have a lot of fun. <laughs> we sure do. Talking about this stuff and shedding different light. And it's possible because you're a lot of the magic with the J and I'm the magic with the G and our brains kind of think different. And if I remember right, aren't you a Gemini as well? I'm a Scorpio. Oh, so see. watch out for the tail. Okay. It stings. It's in my nature. <laughs> remember, have you ever heard that story about the Scorpio and the frog? I can tell you next time. Yeah, I'm, way, I'm way over here. Go ahead and sting me. <laughs> well, that's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and listening to the 10 most powerful things about altered states of consciousness. And we'll be back next week. I hope you have a beautiful day. That's all we got. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what, you deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.